This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty to talk about what we can expect for the rest of the fall after a very strong summer when it comes to real estate sales. Some record-setting numbers in the Lower Mainland in September. And that brings us to our Consumer News headlines. Uh, The numbers officially came in on Wednesday, and it looks like September was indeed a record month for home sales. According to the BC Real Estate Association, more than 11,000 units were sold last month. That's a 63% increase than September of last year. Prices were up too. The average residential price throughout the province was 803000 That's up 15% from last year. The one number that was down for the month was the number of homes available to buy. Active listings were down about 12% year over year as the COVID-19 pandemic has kept listings low in a lot of markets. Apple announced their new iPhone this past Tuesday. They say the new iPhone 12 will take advantage of the 5G technology, which is just starting to roll out in Vancouver. The iPhone 12 with a 6.1-inch display starts at 1129 bucks in Canada. It's pretty much the same as the iPhone 11, but lighter and thinner. The iPhone 12 Pro starts at $1,399. It's got a more powerful camera. Uh, Those two models come out uh, next Friday, and an iPhone 12 mini and the most expensive iPhone Pro Max model will follow on November 13th. And one thing that may tick off iPhone users, Apple will no longer include charging adapters when you buy a new phone. They say it will mean smaller, lighter boxes if they don't have the adapters in them, and that's more environmentally friendly to ship. And you know when you drive into downtown on the Granville Bridge, you see that really cool new angular building? It's called the Vancouver House, 49 stories. It looks like it's kind of twisted. Well, it was announced this week that it will soon have a partner which will go up on the other side of the bridge and will really make an impact on the Vancouver skyline uh, in what they call the downtown gateway as you drive over the Granville Bridge. Vancouver City Council voted this week to okay a 55-story building. It's going to be called 601 Beach Crescent. The developer Pinnacle International figures it'll cost about $250 million, and judging by the artist's rendering, it should have its own really unique look. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and coming up, we're going to talk real estate in what is a surprisingly red-hot market despite the pandemic, guiding us through all the opportunities out there in the world of real estate. In this market will be John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. And with me now is our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty, a.k.a. johnnysmartpoint.com. You can uh, get a hold of him at uh, that website, johnnysmartpoint.com, or his phone number, 604-612-0080. How you doing, John? Hey, Martin. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you're very, very welcome. And uh, this is almost becoming, I, I won't say boring, but it's becoming predictable. They came out with numbers yesterday, the BC Real Estate Association, and September numbers were kind of they were kind of record-setting through the roof, like 68% more units sold, uh, actually 63% more units sold than September of last year. That's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, the September numbers were fantastic, um, especially if you were a seller of, say, detached properties and townhomes and things like that. Uh, we have to remember that we're comparing to last September, which was which was not a banner month, but still, all the numbers, uh, Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley, uh, throughout British Columbia, absolutely, the market has come come roaring back, and I, I think maybe we'll talk about some of the reasons for that on this show. Mm-hmm. Let's we'll we'll do that because uh, I'm curious. I I have a lot of questions uh, for you. Uh, is is this like the busiest time of the year for you, or is it always busy? Oh, good question. Um, you know, of this particular year, um, this has been one of the busier times uh, for myself personally. I've been in the business quite a while, and so I, I you know I slowed down during COVID, but it picked up pretty quickly for me in May and June. Um, but I think overall in the market, you know, this is, um, and let's talk about this, one of the number one reasons the market was busy, pent-up demand. A lot of people in February, March, April, maybe March and April and May particularly, uh, when COVID started becoming a big issue, shelved their plans. You know, they may have had good reasons to maybe want to sell their property, upsize, downsize or whatever. And as a result, you know, with the waiting, now people are opening their eyes and looking around and reading the reports and saying, you know, hey, the market is there. Maybe we should, you know, finally take that step. So the way I see it is kind of a compressed year. We're seeing not a whole year of activity, but the majority of a whole year of activity taking place in the second half of the year. And the reason that's going to continue, if you look at the September numbers, you'll see there were a lot of sales. I think you mentioned over 60% more sales than last year. And a lot of those people need a place to go. And there are now buyers in the market looking for inventory. And the inventory hasn't gone up 60%. And in segments, you know, like detached housing, it's gone up 25% maybe. So, um, you know, the the market has definitely come back. And the pent-up demand, I think, is the number one reason where people who avoided the market for a time are now jumping back into the market. And as a result, July, August, and September have been big months. And October, November should follow suit. Yeah, and I'm looking at those numbers, and uh, one of the interesting things, sales was way up, but the amount of uh, homes you could buy was actually down overall. Uh, it says that the uh, active listings were down about 12%. So does that mean this is a buyer's market or a seller's market, rather? It's turned more in that direction for sure. Uh, and I've said this before, real estate is, is a supply and demand business. Uh, when the supply is very high and there's no demand, we see markets that that uh, you know drop in terms of pricing, obviously. And right now we're seeing the opposite compared to recent history. Again, sales up, inventory lower. And, and again, it depends on the segment. Uh, we'll talk about this a little later. Condominiums might not feel this quite the same as detached housing does in affordable segments. But in some of these hotter segments, you know, you're absolutely right. The, the tables have shifted uh, uh, towards the, a seller's interest. And as a result, we're seeing uh, relatively quick sales on a lot of properties. We're seeing at-list price or above-list price sales in a lot of instances. Uh, we're seeing some instances of multiple offers. And I don't see that changing for the next near future, again, because with a lot of sales in September, brings a lot of new buyers. And that inventory um, has not really been enough to make an easy purchase for a lot of buyers. So. I see um, sellers doing quite well for the next uh, two months till the end of the year. So the question is, should people be going to johnnysmartpoint.com <laughs> to get a hold of John Carlson at 2% Realty? Uh, if they're sort of on the fence, they're thinking of maybe selling their house, uh, now is the time, I guess. 
you know, and thank you. I think they should call me definitely. Um, and that reminds me, last uh, two weeks ago when I was on the program with you, we put out the invitation to drop me an email, uh, info at johnnysmartpoint.com, and with questions. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to hear on the radio program in two weeks? And I got a, a number of emails back, and, and what, I think the, the overall trend really was, was that very question. What's the market like? Is this the right time for me to jump in the market? Some people wondering, you know, will COVID come back? Will the economy collapse? Uh, things my neighbor's house sold in a week, and it seems like, you know, maybe uh, it might be the right time. So that, if, if you ask me to judge the number one question on people's minds right now uh, who are out there thinking, they're wondering, hey, I'm seeing signs of life. I've put this decision off for a while now. Christmas is around the corner. Is this the time for me to jump into the market? And uh, those are the kind of questions I love to get. Uh, for some people, the answer is going to be yes. And for some people, they might want to wait. Um, but I can tell listeners out there, and we're going to talk about this on this program, that there are some really good factors in the market uh, for you if you're thinking of selling your home. And uh, the challenge is sometimes uh, not so much selling and getting a good price in certain segments, but it's coordinating that sale and a successful purchase on the other end and and putting those two together because, as you just said, inventories can be a little bit light in some segments. So you want to be working on both sides of that equation. And I guess working in Vancouver is a a singular experience. Vancouver's real estate market is, uh, you know, intense, to say the least. But do you look at the other cities like Toronto and Montreal, and do they move together or are they completely different? You know, they're completely different, and it's it's funny. For years, I, I remember hearing and seeing that, you know, Toronto and Vancouver were opposites. When Toronto booms, Vancouver lags, and vice versa. But, of course, that's not, there's no 100% truth there either. Um, but I do follow um, other markets because I read about real estate across the country. I know, um, you know, some people, um, you know, have trouble because it, you'll read a national statistic that says one thing, and then you'll read a local statistic that says something completely different. And I definitely focus on the local stuff, but interestingly enough, um, I read in the National Post just the other day about the Toronto market and the micro-suites, the small condos, how they have uh, apparently lost favor um, with some buyers and they're getting a little harder to sell with this shift in the COVID thing. And I I see a very similar trend uh, in the Vancouver market when it comes to some of these smaller properties that are rather expensive, close to the town core. Well, apparently students are, are uh, you know, learning from home and they don't necessarily need to rent a place close to the city or, uh, you know, people working from home. And the trend seems to be, uh, again, not 100% across the board, but there is a definite trend out there where people are saying, hey, maybe, maybe we should look, you know, a little further out of town. Maybe we should, instead of a condo, get a townhouse with a yard, more social distancing space. Maybe I should get a detached house instead and put my home office there. So, Um, The market's been good across the board, but I think these are some of the reasons that the detached housing market in particular in the affordable segments and the, uh, you know, townhomes with some space, they've been the big gainers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. People spending a lot of money for a little bit of space just for the luxury of being close to the center of town. And now they can just kind of go wherever they want. So do you see this as a permanent thing? No, I don't think anything's necessarily permanent, but, you know, I've had a number of clients right now, so I know there's the trend out there and talking to other agents who, you know, they're maybe taking an early retirement and moving to Vancouver Island or up to Kelowna or those sorts of things. And I think this trend we're seeing right now of, you know, people questioning whether it's worth it to spend premium dollars for a smaller place just to be in town when a lot of the venues are closed and, you know, the necessity of being close to town is not there quite as much as it was for people 
last year. I see that trend continuing, but, you know, hopefully this COVID situation will change. And, uh, you know, there is always the attraction of being where the action is in the city. So I'm not predicting anything uh, major happening, like any collapses of city properties, nothing like that. I'm just suggesting that the numbers are showing us that the trend seems to be uh, getting a little bit more space. And that's one of the reasons the detached housing market has come back in such a big way. Yeah, we're talking to John Carlson from 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com is how you get a hold of him. Uh, 604-612-0080. And uh, he has set up an email account info at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can ask, uh, ask him any questions you want, and then next time he's on the radio, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. And I guess I, I sort of put you on the spot asking you if that's a permanent situation. And I guess that's the advantage of having uh, a real estate expert who has been in this market a long time like you, John Carlson. So what, what have you learned about trends uh, in Vancouver over the years, you've probably seen things and, you know, people say, oh, the downtown core is going to collapse. No one's going to want to live there. And it always changes. But what have you learned over the years? Well, a couple things, I suppose, uh, since you put me on the spot. Number one, um, it's very, you know, I am very hesitant to discount the local real estate market. It has been so resilient. I mean, I remember back in the late 90s when you know, we had a peak in the market in 94, and then by 97, 98, you know, the market had really, you know, gone through a low spot. And it bounced back and went straight up until about 2007. Then we had that other little setback, and we thought, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen here? The global economy, and guess what? Real estate in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley just, you know, took a bit of a pause, and then boom, it came back. So don't count out the local markets. You know, I've read um, pieces by people who have been predicting a, a bubble collapse for I think the past 15 years and it hasn't happened. So be careful not to count the real estate market, you know, not to count it out too, too quickly. Uh, and we see evidence of that right now in the, in the throes of the COVID epidemic, we're seeing a surge in real estate locally. So, so there's that. And then also just, you know, as you touched on, nothing stays the same forever. The one constant in the real estate industry is change. There is always uh, changing policy happening, uh, supply uh, economic conditions, uh, consumer confidence. Uh, it's an evolving, it's like a living organism. It might be, uh, you know, one way one day and then two months later things can change. So uh, again, that might be another good reason to, if you're considering selling a home or buying a home, having somebody who knows the industry quite well and can give you, you know, can give you good advice is, is because things will change uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, and in Vancouver, I always have that experience where all you hear about is, oh, it's expensive to live here, and then all of a sudden you're at Olympic Village or something, <laughs> for example, and you're looking around and you just think, this is probably one of the nicest settings in the entire world. Very desirable. And and the suburbs as well. I mean, yeah. people realizing, and there's Vancouver, and you can get there in 15, 20 minutes if you're in some areas. And, and, and again, this kind of comes back to the um, the market being hot in terms of detached houses. I find houses with basement suites in particular, a big trend right now is mom and dad get together, they've got the equity, uh, the adult children and maybe the grandkids uh, have the jobs to pay the mortgage, and they get together, they get a house with a really nice suite for mom and dad, and that pays the bills. Or sometimes a legal suite, and they put tenants in there to, to help cover the bills. And so when you're looking at places like, say, in Langley, uh, homes that are a million to a million two, uh, with basement suites, talk it's super hot. Tri-Cities, uh, Coquitlam Port, Coquitlam Port Moody, affordable homes, especially with secondary accommodations. I'm seeing sales happening within the week, uh, quite frankly, with, with a lot of those homes. Maple Ridge, if you're 
sort of in that 900, 950, a million, a little over with a basement suite. You're really popular. So, uh, you know, Vancouver Core, yes, definitely has its, um, you know, its audience, if you will. Uh, and but the suburbs have also really, really come alive in this in this detached uh, segment. Yeah, and you and communities like Maple Ridge are just lovely. <laughs> like there's some just some great places to walk. It's a it's a nice lifestyle. Yeah, you know I find that that people you know once they uh, you know arrive. I've dealt with a lot of clients who moved from say uh, Ontario. Good good friends and clients of mine that came from the Sioux, as they say, came out to British Columbia and they say, you know, we heard about it our whole lives, and now we know, you know, that the weathers are better. It's milder in the winter. If you don't mind rain, that is. And <laughs> it's a very popular it. area. And and as we've talked about on this program before, there's somewhere between thirty and forty thousand uh, outsiders coming to Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley every year. So. Again, the influx, the demand is, is always there. And right now what we're seeing is a demand fueled by low interest rates uh, that, um, you know, is, is uh, competing. Uh, you know, buyers are competing because the inventory is not there. So, again, people asking me, hey, John, is the market good? Is it the right time for me to sell? It definitely could be. John Carlson with 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where you go online. JohnnySmartPoint.com. And his phone number is 604-612-0080. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the trends. Uh, There are some things moving pretty fast in the uh, Vancouver Lower Mainland real estate market. And uh, John will tell us all about where he sees things headed. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where to go. You can also give them a call, 604-612-0080. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Now, uh, John, I I was dealing with a realtor many, many years ago, and uh, he was a very snappy dresser, and he wore very colorful socks. And I said, wow, you have colorful socks. And, and he said, yeah, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> and I, I always sort of uh, laughed about that. And uh, I'm thinking your thing might be uh, really low commission, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, I won't say really low, but, you know, I generally, comp- there's no standard rates out there uh, when it comes to commission. But generally speaking, compared to the vast majority of agents out there, I'll save people maybe 30 or 40% on commission costs compared to, you know, some of those other business models. But that is what I'm known for, not so much socks. Uh, you know, I, ha- I have seen, you know, a lot of agents looking great and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, dressed to the nines. That's not really my style. It, quite frankly, if, if I do have a weakness, I don't show up looking like I'm going to the Academy Awards, but I'm, I'm <laughs> dressed professionally. But generally, you'll find me with socks that are either brown or black. Sorry to tell you that. <laughs> well, we've had no complaints about the way you dress, but on Vancouver Consumer, on CKNW, <laughs> we have had a lot of uh, your past clients who have uh, said nothing but good things about you. They hadn't, haven't mentioned the socks, but the, the, the one thing they mentioned was uh, just, just what, a, what an easy experience it was and also the fact that you did help save them some money. And if people go to johnnysmartpoint.com, you actually have something on your website that can help people uh, take a look at the value of their property and what they might save by going uh, with 2% Realty. That's a good point. Thanks for bringing that up. On my website, I do have a graph that compares my commission structure to, you know, the, the most typical structure at 7% of the first 100000 two and a half of the balance. Again, different structures are out there and people can shop around and interview realtors. And the whole smart point idea that I promote is, you know, I'm an, an established proven agent with a great track record who also, you know, saves people money compared to the majority of the competition. I think, 
you know, that's probably a smart place to be in. Um, so, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. And if people go to my website, um, there's a place where you can just click on, uh, you know, to message me or uh, put in your address and ask me for an evaluation or set up an appointment, you know, to meet with you. Because, um, you know, when people want an evaluation of their property, oftentimes, you know, I can give them some information about neighboring sales. But if I haven't seen the property, it's hard for me to really, uh, you know, put a fine point on that sort of thing. So go to my website or call me. Uh, I happen to have, I've sold the majority of my listings in the last month, month and a half, and I, I definitely have the time. So if you're giving some thought to selling and uh, you want me to come and pay you a visit, give me a call or, or check out my website. Yeah, it's johnnysmartpoint.com or 604-612-0080. John Carlson. And uh, if people do call and they tell you about their homes, what are some of the things that if you're thinking of selling your home that uh, they should consider? You know, th- you know, value propositions like, oh, it's close to a school or maybe there are things that aren't so desirable. But what, what do people, what people, should people know about their properties? And you know, that's a great question because if you want to sell for maximum price, you know, that the market will bear, you need to lead with your strengths and appeal to those people who appreciate what you have. You know, if you've got a $70,000 swimming pool and nobody wants that, then, you know, there's specific buyers for that. So when I come into a house, um, understanding, you know, that they know the property and the location and all the ins and outs better than I do, one of the first things I do after we've, you know, discussed agency and they've told me everything I want is I need to know how do you see the property? Why did you buy it? What do you like about the property? What do you think would be the top three or four sales pitches for this property? In other words, what are the, the benefits? And oftentimes people will say, well, you know, uh, this house, we haven't done a lot of updates. We've looked after it, but the school is just down the street and we've got, you know, transit is away in here. We're quiet. We've got the cul-de-sac. So I need to understand all the benefits of that property in order to formulate a proper evaluation because then I can compare it to other properties out there. Um, But yeah, all of these things you mentioned, there's the old saying, location, location, location. So that's always a good place to start. Um, But there are other factors, you know, as well. And um, one of my jobs is to understand the property before I give my recommendations on price and not just understand the property, but also understand the needs of the client so that we can come up with a strategy. And uh, when you when you understand the property, you understand the needs of the client, and then you mix in an understanding of what's going on in that segment of the market, that's the information that you really need to put all together to come up with a, a successful plan. Yeah, that's very interesting. That seems to me where a real... Uh, insightful and hardworking real estate agent comes into play because if if you really listen to your clients, they can tell you things like maybe they maybe there's a, a curling rink just down the street or something, and that can be part of the whole uh, the the pitch for why this is such a great property. Absolutely, you need to know what you have there so you can you can promote. Those things, and and I'll, I'll add another thing. In a, in a rapidly changing market like this, it's it's really important to have an agent who is you know busy and and it, you know with his his or her finger on the pulse, if you will, of what's going on. Case in point, I had a a townhome in Maple Ridge uh, that was kind of in that 550 range, and uh, extremely hot segment right now. If there's any people out there with a townhome that they're thinking of selling in Maple Ridge that you know might be in that range, I can tell you there's buyers looking. Long story short, we got multiple offers on it very quickly, and it was significantly higher than the other recent sales in the complex, just say two months ago. And uh, I got a call from the other agent, um, you know, hey, John, the appraisal came in low. We got a problem with financing. And, you know, I I can't convince an appraiser of anything, but um, had to make a couple of calls and explain that, you know, we've got backup offers and 
you know, you need to know, uh, even this appraiser was apparently under the impression that these units should still be selling for what they sold for three months ago. And that is definitely not the case in that segment. So again, a good agent should try to understand the property and understand uh, the needs of the clients and the goals of the clients. But you need to know what's going on in your segment uh, because otherwise you could you know, leave money on the table or potentially overprice and never sell. So again, current experience is very important. Yeah, no kidding. And we should mention for people just tuning in, we were talking about the BC Real Estate Association's statistics for September, which just came out last week. And uh, September was red hot. 63% more units were sold than last year. And the active listings are down about 12% overall. Um, and, and these are kind of overall numbers too. Like like you, somebody like you who has your finger on the pulse, John, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, which kinds of properties are selling and which kind of properties are available and which kind of properties are scarce. Yeah, to some degree, that's my job. And, uh, you know, also being able to take the information that you're getting today and kind of, uh, you know, extrapolate it into the future a bit. Uh, and I'll reiterate this. Uh, for anyone thinking of jumping into the market as a seller, I'm going to suggest that when September is really busy, and I've seen this in previous years, some people say, oh, the market, it just dies in December. And the not necessarily. If you have a really busy September and it carries through to October, there's pretty much a guarantee that that market's going to be pretty strong November and December as well, simply because a big percentages of the people who sold their home are now looking to buy another one. And, you know, you're kind of creating your own customers by lots of sales in September and October. You've got lots of buyers looking in, uh, you know, October, November, and December. So I'd go out on a little bit of a limb here and suggest that this is going to be one of those years where we're even going to be busy in December. So I guess we'll wait and see and find out. We can talk about that, you know, when I'm on the, on the program in December. But I'm definitely seeing a steady, uh, a steady uptake of properties. The good listings are going to be selling. The buyers are out there. Rates are low. And I see that carrying through the rest of the year. But you've been right so far this year, from what I've heard. Like early summer, you were saying it was going to be a big, big late summer and fall. And so far, you've been right. Yeah, well, I just, you know, interestingly enough, what I do, and I tell my clients this, uh, you know, I don't know the market, I don't decide the market, I'm not the boss of the market, but my job is to understand things and then to tell the truth as I understand it. So when I'm sitting down with the client, I'm an open book. Uh, I'm not perfect, but I do give all of my experience and all of my thoughts to clients. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'm right more than I'm wrong. Right. John Carlson from 2% Realty, Johnny Smartpoint. Dot com 604-612-0080. And how does the weather affect all this? I mean, things have, you know, overall, it's, we've taken kind of a turn. It's got a little bit colder, more rain. Uh, does that make a big difference in the market? Not a big difference, but I think, you know, um, the end of August, I think, was a little bit slower because people were trying to squeeze in the rest of the good, you know, the good <laughs> summer. Because let's face it, we don't get a whole lot of sunshine here. And I find that maybe when the weather goes back to a more normal uh, fall weather that, you know, people give up on those plans of uh, going hiking and they're back to business and real estate. So maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons that the fall market tends to pick up a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm working rain or shine and serious buyers and sellers are out there rain or shine. Right. And and the the way the, the COVID epidemic, pandemic has, has played out, uh, things are kind of in a good groove now. You've got all that sorted out. And, and you're dealing with that quite well? Yeah, you know what? It, 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 I, I guess you could say that it's kind of settling out because obviously the virus is still a threat. 
uh, and the numbers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, are, are you know are st- they're still out there, and we need to maintain social distance and bubbles and all that stuff. But the panic seems to have receded, and it's nice because I'm not seeing any issues when I have a showing. I mean, we make sure people have masks, and they've answered questionnaires about you know hopefully not being sick or traveled or been exposed uh, in in recent times. And, uh, you know, there's hand sanitizer for everybody who comes into the listing. Um, you know, surfaces get wiped down and we turn on all the lights and people don't touch things. And, you know, I find that people are quite cooperative and they'll bring their masks and they'll keep a distance away from one another. I've even done some open houses where I have people call in and set up 15-minute intervals so we don't have a, a big line of people standing there. And, you know, business can be done responsibly and it can be done effectively, but you know, the landscape has changed and there are, there are measures. And those measures seem to be doing their job. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess we're a, a little ways away from you actually selling a home over Zoom. <laughs> I wonder. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never done that. I do the 3D tours, of course, uh, you know, the Matterport tours on my listings. And I have had cases where people have uh, written offers based on those things, but generally they still come and see them, uh, you know, before, before they do that. But, you know, the, those trends are going from what I can tell, going to continue. You might ask the young crowd a little bit more, but um, people want to experience properties virtually before they come and see them, especially with COVID, and sellers want that too. So that's why I do the 3D tours, and I do the floor plans and the measurements. And uh, the more I think that you can help your listings be viewed virtually and look good, and uh, you know the comments need to be good so people see the property the way we want them to see it to, to the fullest degree we can, um, you know, it's important to, to have all those factors in there so people can uh, experience it first. But generally, they still want to come and see the property. But that day may be coming. We might be, uh, we might be doing everything by Zoom one day. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? And when you, um, when you look at a property to sell, is there one, one sort of uh, aspect of it, like the kitchen or, or something, that you look at first? Uh, well, I look at first when I pull up. If it's a detached house, let's say I pull up and I... I stand and I look at the house. I, some people might think that, you know, that I'm kind of crazy. I'll get out of my car and I'll just stand there for about 10 seconds. I'll look at the roof. I'll look at the gutters. I'll get a general feel for how is that street appeal because, you know, buyers are going to do that. They pull up, they look at the house and they say, hmm, you know, so I want to get a feel for that first. Um, and then it depends on the property. If, if it's a, uh, say, a newer house in a higher end neighborhood, I'm really looking at finishing because buyers of higher priced homes and, you know, higher neighborhoods are are concerned about the experience they get within those four walls. It's hard to sell um, a house in, in one of these type of segments if, uh, if the finishing is weak or the condition's poor, so there's that. Other properties, it's more about the property and the setting, and, and I'm looking at site influences, or I'm looking at uh, you know, those sorts of things. So it's the whole gamut, the whole experience. You gotta understand, if you're in real estate, if you're buying or selling, you don't have to appeal to everybody, but understand there's a whole wide gamut of different perspectives out there and buyers for this and buyers for that and some people who appreciate this or that. And again, my job is to help identify the strengths that we have as a, as a listing and promote those effectively so that the right people who appreciate those things see that listing pop up and they go, oh my gosh, dear, look at this house. It's got everything we need. It's in the right spot. They come out, they get excited, and you know, hopefully we get a good offer for them. So understanding the whole gamut uh, you know, is important. And again... You know, that's why a, a good agent, an experienced agent, is, is your friend and ally. Always great advice. John Carlson from 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. Thank you so much, John. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, always great to talk to John Carlson. 604-612-0080. 
johnnysmartpoint.com. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and when we come back, it's Ask Andrew. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, CKNW, and Andrew Ferreira, the producer of Vancouver Consumer, is with me for our Ask Andrew uh, segment. Now, Andrew, is Vancouver known as a city with good drivers, bad drivers, or is that a thing? I mean, you know, it depends on who you ask, but I feel like some people will say... Most people, almost everyone, will probably say that Vancouver has awful drivers. Well, people say that about, they always say, exactly. oh, they say Everyone that says it. that about everywhere. And they always say it about other drivers. It's never, it's never me. It's like, yeah. I, it, everyone always says I'm an above average driver. Yeah. But, you know, that, that, that can't be the case. Mm-hmm. That can't be the case. And it's kind of interesting because earlier this week, uh, Mario Canseco with Research Co. Research Co. Uh, put out... Um, uh, a bit of a study that I didn't expect to see during a pandemic. It's not something that I thought about. Uh, but Canadian drivers are reporting fewer fewer blunders, unlike that one, uh, this year compared to last year. So the thinking process is that because maybe, this is what I think, uh, with the pandemic, a lot of us have been working from home. Uh, not as many people have been out on the roads. Rush hours have been less rush hour right, if you will. Right, that's true. Perhaps people are kind of mellowing out a little bit on our roads. I like the way you describe a car accident as a blunder. A blunder. <laughs> oh, I had a blunder and I, I totaled your car. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the proportion of Canadians who say that drivers are you know worse than five years ago actually dropped from 47% last year to 39% this year. So the overall perception of other drivers' skill has actually gone up. Uh, more than two in five Canadians say that the quality of drivers hasn't changed while 7% believe say that they're better than five years ago, which, you know, that's not up to me to decide. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's one of my favorite uh, things here. Canadians age 55 or over are more likely to have a pessimistic view of drivers, with half of them, 50%, believing that they are worse now. Uh, Fewer Canadians aged 35 to 54 uh, and aged 18 to 34 share this point of view. Sounds a lot like the uh, those millennials. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it was somebody else. Exactly. But it, it's interesting to me that we're seeing this almost kind of break in mold of overall kind of more people seem to think that more people are doing a better job. Now, is that just because we haven't really been commuting to work as much? Uh, is it just because maybe there have been fewer cars and therefore there have been fewer, you know, incidents or blunders on the road? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or have things been improving? This is something that isn't really, I don't know, I guess measurable. But it's interesting to, to gauge stuff like this. Because uh, one thing that always piques my interest whenever we talk about uh, vehicles, especially from a consumer standpoint, is the slow but steady march on the horizon uh, that self-driving cars offer. Um, now, I personally would never do it. That's just my thing. I think it's... I don't, if I'm in a car, I want to drive it. I don't want to let a computer drive it. But if we're ever at that point, you know, all of this stuff becomes moot. Yeah. Well, already some of the cars have, uh, the newer cars have automatic braking, that, those kind of things. They have, uh, I, there's a couple of them too that also have like automatic parking where you just kind of set yeah. it up and it'll back itself into the spot for you. Yeah. Which my car just has incessant beeping. Yeah, the uh, my parents' car, which is probably the only car that I drive with any frequency, has a, a rattly air conditioner. Okay, uh, it works though. <laughs> so you know, not every you know every cloud is a silver lining. 
but you know it this also did come to mind because it's mid-october now you know we're we're past the halfway point halloween's on the horizon uh but usually with halloween comes the next year of cars uh you know usually it's around this time that we start seeing the 2021 models that'll be rolling out and so all the new vehicles the new offerings will be coming out soon so perhaps that's also something that you want to keep an eye on yeah yeah, very, very interesting. And be careful out there if you're driving because you don't want to get in a blunder. Just because there's fewer people out there doesn't mean you should uh, exercise yeah. less caution. Exactly. It's Vancouver Consumer. That's Andrew Ferrer, our producer. I'm Martin Strong, and we'll be uh, back next week. It's Vancouver Consumer. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.